Hey, welcome back to the Cosmic Car Wash podcast. I am Paul. And I'm this Rick. Is Rick. And uh, man, it's been a couple of weeks since we've been here. Yeah, it has. Uh, life just continues. I was thinking the other day during our, uh, our comment during our devotions, you know, we wait for life to give us permission to do the things that we need to do, but it's never going to happen. We just have to make time for the things that matter. Well, that's the truth. And, uh, yeah. So. <clears throat> Glad to be back recording after uh, a couple weeks of uh, dealing with schedules and stuff. And uh, yeah, so we're calling this one When It Clicks. And um, I think this is the first time we kind of address what really has become for us like a defining moment or experience or ongoing experience in our lives. Um, yeah, I, it almost, uh, you could say that it preceded... Um, why we call it the cosmic car wash yes you know because it clicked so it clicked yeah so yeah we'll kind of dive into this um just a, a little bit of of my background and how i came to this clickable moment um what we have also called like the moment when we were born again again right <laughs> you know you and i have both been you know christians churchgoers you know, really like Jesus followers to the best of our ability for a long time. Um, I grew up in church. You know, I'm fortunate to have two parents who really love God and raised us to be um, more than Sunday morning Christians. You know, we did, we weren't just the, the, the Christmas and Easter church attenders. You know, we were there and it was integral, you know, in my upbringing. And I'm really uh, grateful to my parents uh, for the heritage that they gave me of loving God. But, you know, growing up in church and then when I left home and joined the military and started my own life, you know, I continued with that. I was a, a member of a church where I served as a youth pastor and I was involved in just about everything I could get involved in. Mm -hmm. um, doing all the right Christian things, you know, baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking tongues, you know, on the outside, I think if I'm examining myself objectively, I think I looked like I had it all together. Yeah. But there was just something missing, you know. Um, I had moments with God where I would pray and just feel like, you know, God is close. But then I would have moments of just dark despair and really hopelessness. Mm -hmm. And so fast forward, you know, literally decades of my life. Um, the world is crazy, you know, COVID happened and everybody knows what 2020 was like. I think right. that was pretty a universal experience for all of us. It was just a crazy year and dealing with my own particular flavor of 2020. Uh, I remember having this thought one day, I don't know necessarily when it was, but as a Christian, I thought, yeah, I know Jesus is coming back someday. I know that when I die, I'm going to go be with God in heaven but I, I remember thinking, but so what? Like, I've got a lot of stuff I'm dealing with. You know, the world is crazy, and I felt like, you know, it was hopeless. And, you know, you know, marriage, you know, under the best of circumstances, you know, life is designed to pull marriages apart, you know, because the world doesn't, you know, some just all this stuff that I'm dealing with, work and families and finances and all the pressures of life. And it was really hard for me to make the connection between 
yeah, I know Jesus is coming back someday and we're all going to be with God in heaven, but it had no bearing on my life right now. Right. Like that was, it was completely separate. It was something other than what I was dealing with. Yeah. It was somewhat abstract almost. Yeah. Yeah. Like I believe in heaven, but if somebody were to ask me, well, what's heaven like? I mean, I don't know. I got to refer to the latest book where somebody claims to have died and gone to heaven and that's right. the best I had, you know? Um, but it just got really, really fuzzy for me, uh, what life after death looked like. And again, I just, I can't emphasize enough. Like I believed all the things that scripture teaches Jesus rose from the dead and that someday, you know, Jesus is going to return, but it was just, there was no specificity around it. And there certainly was nothing for me to hang my hope on. And it didn't have any connection to my life here and now. And, um, uh, that all changed for me in October of 2020. Um, I remember where I was, what I was doing. I uh, was on my way to here in Michigan uh, and, and some in Illinois. There's a big grocery store chain called Meyer. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're from Michigan, you call it Myers. Um, if you're a lifelong Michigander, I think you might call it uh, Myers Happy Acres or something. But Thrifty Acres, Thrifty Acres. Yeah, Myers Thrifty Acres. And... Uh, I was going through my podcast feed and just randomly I'm scrolling through John Eldridge's podcast, uh, wild at heart. Wow. And I saw a title to one of his uh, episodes called, you know, why are we so ambivalent around the return of Christ? You know, like dealing with our ambivalence. And right. I thought back to that thought that I had of like, yeah, I know Jesus is coming back, but so what? And I thought, well, maybe this is going to help me think about this in a different way. I cannot overstate the effect that those five podcasts had on my life. Um, For anybody that is interested in this, you know, going forward, if you want to look back at the Wild at Heart podcast, it's available through Spotify, through Apple Podcasts. I'm sure you can get it a bunch of other places. YouTube. It's his episodes from September uh, and then the first week of October of 2020. And uh, it's just... It's a message of hope that is unlike anything. I, I mean, I've been in church my whole life and never heard this. Maybe yeah. it was preached. Maybe it was taught. Maybe there were books out there, but I never read them. I never heard it. I just didn't get it. And uh, it has changed everything about the way I look at not just the future, what uh, N.T. Wright calls life after life after death. Right. Uh, but it has made an impact on my life now. And I know it has for you too, Rick. So I'll, that's kind of where I came at this new realization. This is how it clicked for me, but I know you've got your own story. So, <laughs> Well, I, if you had, had you not shared it with me, it, I would still be waiting for the click. Um, same thing. I'm, we have similar experiences. I did not necessarily grow up in the kind of church that you did. Uh, you know, military family. We moved all over the world every couple of years. So we were in and out of a mainline denomination and we went because that's what you did. That's what good people did. And, and so, you know, once you kind of hit the teenage years, there really wasn't much to offer. It became more of a, a, a click, but not the good kind of click. It was just clicky. And uh, so, you know, I wandered for a long time. And same thing, you know, ran from God and, and got saved, gave my heart to him. I walked away from a lot of things and I was very lonely 
not really. It's just um, when you're a big fish in a little pond and, um, yeah, it, you really stand out, you know, like a freak. And uh, I, I, that's what I was for some time. Uh, you know, not a circus freak or anything. I just chose not to do the things I used to do. And, you know, it's it becomes almost a grind. You, um, yeah. For lack of a better description, um, you know, you have little victories here and there and, and uh, bigger failures and little victories and you just hang on. And, and uh, when I was a kid in Waterloo, Iowa, we went to a revival. I think it was in a school gymnasium and in from memory, I, it was jam packed full of people. And there was a preacher up there preaching fire and brimstone and eternity and hell. And when you're 10, I, I was terrified into the kingdom, you know, <sighs> coerced. I, I, it scared the hell out of me for, you know, literally. <laughs> yes. And I ran to the front. I needed no prompting, but I wanted, I didn't want to go there. So that's kind of the, you know, the foundation for a lot of years of struggling. And even up until recently, just even a few years ago, before you shared John Eldridge's podcast, Our Ambivalence Toward the Return of Christ, I shared that with two people last night again. And um, I, uh, I had heard just even recently that, you know, that tagline at the end of another sermon, you know, please bow your head and close your eyes with no one looking. Do you know where you're going to go when you die? And, uh, I've, you know, it gets to a certain point of, you know, you just want to go, uh, yeah, with all due respect, you're going to go to the morgue. And, uh, so I think that was part of the impetus that kind of brought me to that, but that's never, that's not even in the Bible, right. you know? And so, when you introduced me to that and I started listening to it, at first, Paul, it was so fantastical. It was like reading a J.R. Tolkien novel. I mean, I just, I was like, I would have to stop and back it up. But then the more I listened to those five, and I've listened to them over a dozen times. I know you've listened to them probably twice as many. And uh, I, you know, and I was thinking the other day, I need to listen to these again. It's yeah. that good. And, and it's all backed up scripturally. And, you know, I know you said it, N.T. Wright has said it, C.S. Lewis has said it, John Eldridge, and uh, even going back to Jonathan Edwards, the end of the world is not the end of the world. But we have, you know, so many people have been fed this line of apocalypse and Armageddon and doom. And, um, you know, the minute anything starts to get, tough and ugly and, um, you know, somewhat threatening. Uh, we go to the same thing, you know, the Lord's coming back soon. He's, you know, he's going to rapture us away and get us out of this mess. So no one does anything about the mess. And um, it, it just basically, I love what N.T. Wright says in Surprised by Hope. Um, I, such a good book. Oh, yeah. yeah. I need to actually finish it. Um what did he say? I have it highlighted. Uh, forgive me. Oh, here it is. If the promised final future is simply that immortal souls leave behind their mortal bodies, then death still rules. 
since that is a description not of the defeat of death, but simply of death itself seen from one angle. And mm. it's just profound, but that's what it is. And um, I, I, you know, I think it hurts our churches until once we get a hold of that. And John Eldridge was right in that our ambivalence becomes an ambivalence. We don't want, yeah. we don't want anything to happen. We want him to come later. We want to make everything comfortable. But Jesus has almost become a, uh, you know, a metaphor for comfort, you right. know, especially in the American church. Make me comfortable. Right. Know, he I, becomes the token. He becomes the, the like the, the token for our pet cause, whatever it is, yeah. whatever makes us feel better about was, what we're doing. I was tempted to open up a recliner store and call them Jesus recliners. You know. <laughs> comfort, <laughs> the comfort of heaven here on earth. I bet you sell billions. <laughs> You'd be a millionaire. Gosh, we'd be recording this podcast I from your yacht. I don't mean to be flippant, but you know. I, I, but I also believe that people in general, believers and non-believers, people that may have just had a taste of Christianity as a kid at a, at a vacation Bible school, but for the most part, Paul, I believe people really want to meet God. I believe they're hungry 100%. for the presence of God. And that, yeah. that's why people, when they hear of something happening somewhere, people being healed, there's some miraculous interventions or miraculous visitations or indwellings of the right. spirit and presence of God. That's why people get in their car and drive. That's what I did yeah. a long time yeah. ago to Smithton, Missouri. Why? Yeah. Because I wanted to meet God. I, yeah. You know, I think uh, it, it also shows up too in our obsession with stories. We everybody loves good stories. The the Lord of the Rings stories yeah. are a classic example. Uh, I'm thinking too about you remember the movie Avatar? Yes, that came out. I don't know. It's been more than a decade ago now, but um, yeah, it's these stories of uh, adventure and excitement, and people get lost in this, and we have been duped. I think the world and Christianity and, and religion, all of it kind of combined together, we've been duped into thinking that, well, that's just a story. That'd be nice, but reality is something less than that. And we're learning, you know, a little bit every day that it's not like the over Easter, um, uh, you know, the, uh, my pastor, I was preaching a message and talking about the hope that's resonant in Easter, the message and the line he said, I love, he said, everything sad will become untrue. Wow. And just you think about that. You know, that's like, good. The best story that can possibly be is true, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who is it? N.T. Wright? I, somebody. One of those guys said it that... Um... What God did for Jesus at Easter is what he's going to do for the world and, and yeah. creation for mankind. Yeah, it was N.T. Wright. He said that the, the hope of the early Christian church was that God was due for the entire cosmos what he did for Jesus on Easter. Yeah. Yeah. It, and the early Jews, they didn't, um, it didn't, to them, it didn't mean going to heaven. It meant right. resurrection. That's the ultimate foundation of the gospel is the resurrection. 
And uh, there's another line, uh, resurrection, we must never cease to remind ourselves did not mean going to heaven or escaping death or having a glorious and noble postmortem existence, but rather coming to bodily life again after bodily death. And, um, you know, not that I want to argue vigorously or vehemently with, um, you know, people waiting for the rapture because that's what I was told a very long time ago. And, uh, I mean, I like your story. I actually shared your story, uh, not long ago when you were a kid and you came home and everybody was gone. <laughs> you should share that. I remember that. You should share Seared that again. in my memory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we lived in Smithton, Missouri, and uh, it was like a warm summer day, and, you know, it was one of those towns where, you know, the kids just walked around because it was safe, and it was the late 80s, and, you know, we just didn't worry about stuff. And, yeah. Uh, I walked home from work, hanging out with a friend or whatever I was doing as a young kid, and everybody was gone, and I panicked. Wow. I was like, that's it. Jesus came back. I missed the trumpet call. I missed the rapture. And now I'm 11 years old and I got to figure out life on my own. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I saw one night watching late night TV flipping through the channels and I won't say um, what ministry it was, but trying to find something with some substance and they were actually selling um, uh, rapture kits in case you got left behind. So, you know, seriously, they were selling these kits and they had all kinds of stuff in there, water purification and, you know, in case you were left behind so you could endure the tribulation. And they were serious about this, you know, and for so much money, you could buy this box of stuff that would ensure that you would make it through the tribulation, you know. And I've always wondered, even back in the day, before I knew anything about what we're talking about, the click. Um, I always wondered, is Jesus only coming back for half his bride? And if he is, which half? You know, um, you know you're in the, the chosen group, right? Exactly. Um, so I, I think we make this more than it than it really needs to be. And and even if you study the rapture, it's um, what was it? The early 1800s. That it, yeah, it was. Um... Forget the the minister's name, but he was from Scotland, and Schofield uh, got a hold of it, or I can't. Remember. Schofield got a hold of it. Um, who D. L. Moody? Yes, uh, got a hold of that, which is what really popularized this right. you know, unbiblical philosophy, you know, around across America. And you know, of course, America has become the launch pad for okay. missions across the world. So that's, I think that's why it spread the way it did. Yeah, and not one time did Jesus or the disciples in the New Testament ask someone, do you know where you're going to go when you die? Right. They just never did. It just never happened. Uh, So, uh, again, not to, to argue, but that there has to be more. And uh, we were, you and I were talking just the other day, um, 
you know, about Eden when heaven intersects with earth and uh, through, you know, Tim Mackey and John Collins through the Bible project and how he yeah. describes those Eden moments where, you know, heaven and earth, Eden, heaven, the kingdom of God. I, I think they're all interchangeable. I like Eden. Yeah. I like to use the word Eden um, because that's what we were designed for. We were created yeah. with God would created us with Eden in mind. And, um, uh, and that was what he, that was his plan. That was his goal and to walk with us in the cool of the day. So I like what you said, Tim Mackey said that anytime God comes to walk with us, you know, to, um, inject himself into our daily routine and lives, that's where Eden and earth, um, collide again and become that yeah. place. Yeah, the way he was talking about that in the Bible Project podcast, you know, Tim Mackey is, uh, I think he has his doctorates in Hebrew, and, you know, he and his, ho his co-host John Collins walk through the Old Testament, and um, they're talking about, you know, what the Bible says in, in the context in which it was written, you know, really breaking down the language. And so in the these couple episodes that I was listening to, they were talking about, uh, Israel had um, left Egypt, you know, left slavery where they had been for 400 years as a nation, and they traveled through the wilderness, and now they're at the, the foot of Mount Sinai, and there's this whole uh, incredible series of events that happens where God comes down on Mount Sinai in a cloud and fire, and um, it's the same language in uh, that story is used in Genesis. You know, it's this God coming to live among his people. And the way they say it, I really like the way they say it. It's like God's space and our space overlap. And they were, Moses was given the, the plans for the tabernacle. Um, and then later Solomon ended up building the temple. Uh, and that was that represented that heaven on earth, God's space and our right. space intermingled. It was ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. And now as followers of Jesus, we are <laughs> essentially copies of him. We're filled with the spirit of God. We have the presence of God and we become Eden places everywhere we go. We carry the presence of God with us. And it's just, I love that. I yeah. love that. Yeah, you know, and not uh, certainly don't want to make it one more catchphrase and right. a bumper sticker world, but I like that. I like we are Eden, we and are Eden. Uh, yeah, and you know, crying out Maranatha, all creation groans in anticipation for the revealing of the sons of God, and yeah. you know, people that, they still cling to that. Not that I want to try to argue, but but try to um, uh, reason with them as Paul did to reason with people to, to go and look at the scriptures to look at the context, look at the culture and the history, you know, and just, you know, get denominational slants out of the way. And a lot of people cling to, um, is it in Thessalonians? I get, I know it's in the Bible. I just don't know the address. <laughs> Thessalonians, first Thessalonians talks a lot about it. And then Paul really, I when, think yeah. where he really dives into it is in first uh, Corinthians chapter 15. Well, the scripture where it says, and we will meet him in the air and be changed into the air. twinkling of an yeah. eye. Well, that is in reference to when Jesus came to Jerusalem, riding on the donkey and they went out. Paul writes to, um, he's not writing to you and I 2000 years later, he's writing right. to the people in front of him. 
You know, if yes. you're going to sit down and write a note to someone to try to convince them or to reason with them or instruct them um, out of love and concern, you're not going to be thinking of people to th- what should I say to the people 2000 years from now? You don't, no one thinks like that. Right. No one does. No one I know. So he was writing to them and it's the same reference when, when Jesus came riding into Jerusalem and that was a common practice. He used common um, events and applications that people could understand. Right. His readers could. And um, so when, when he wrote that, it, it was he was referring to what happens anywhere in the Middle East at that time, a visiting right. dignitary, a king, a conquering hero, or Jesus, a, a famous rabbi. When they, if they knew they were coming to town, they went out. They did. They literally cleaned the road. They got the pebbles, yes. the rocks off. They filled in the potholes. If there was any high spots, they leveled those out, and then they would throw yep. palm leaves and even aromatics, flowers, anything that might. Yep fragrance the air and then they went out to meet them and then they ushered him back in they Word didn't back. they didn't go out to meet him and they go hey let's go somewhere else <laughs> they they went right. in and that's what paul is referring to you know if i you and i have had this conversation uh, nt right goes into great depth and detail on this on this custom which we have completely turned into this escape theology of you know we're out of here and uh, that's not what it means. I like what you said. It's going to be the greatest U-turn in the history of creation. <laughs> you know? right. We will meet him and then usher him back to his earth, to right. this earth. And another one of the, the Beatitudes, and uh, this has always stood out to me. Why would he say it if it wasn't true? Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Yes. If he's going to destroy it. Who wants it? Right. No. Right. Yeah. So there's promise right there. Yeah. It's, uh, I, as we have had our eyes open to this, um, I, I'm starting to see it now literally everywhere in scripture. It's, right. When it clicks, it clicked and it's, it has made reading scripture all the way from Genesis 1, chapter 1. Uh, chapter one, verse one through revelation chapter 22, it's made it all come alive again. And it's like, Oh, this has been here the whole time. Yeah. It's kind of like when you, when you're looking for a car to buy, you know, you like, Oh, I don't see this car ever on the road. It's super, you know, it's great. But then the moment you buy it, now you see them everywhere, you know, because our eyes have been opened. We're very aware of this thing. And that's what's happened with scripture. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's made it easier, you know, and I think maybe we should just state very clearly what it is we're talking about, that our destiny as students of Jesus, as followers of Jesus is not some far off place somewhere in the universe, this fuzzy, vague thing of heaven, like heaven is coming to earth, you know, just like the tabernacle and the temple Heaven and earth are going to be in the same place. That is Eden, where God dwells with his people. And uh, we were just, I was, uh, as we were doing our devotion, uh, we're reading through the Bible in a year. Psalm 147, I think it is. It talks about, you know, you created the stars and, you know, you set them in place forever. Like, yeah, God's not going to destroy this beautiful world that he created this earth and solar systems and planets he's coming to make it all new again yep 
And where are we going to be when Jesus returns? Right here. You know, Isaiah talked about it. They will repair the places long devastated. They will restore the ruins. They will, Hmm. you know, it's this wonderful experience of life in the presence of God, in the kingdom of God, working for God here on this earth that we know and love. And it, it just makes life after life after death not fuzzy anymore. And like you said earlier, it makes it easier. It makes serving Jesus and following Jesus and working with God in the kingdom of God, it makes it real. You know, I love the analogy you used. If you have two groups of people in a room and that room is a mess, if one group of people believes that they're getting ready to leave and go somewhere else, they have no investment in improving the place that they're at. But the group that believes they're staying they're heavily invested in cleaning up the mess and making sure that it's beautiful and how much more so because we know that the God who created us, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is coming to our room. We want to make sure that that place is clean and beautiful for him because we are doing very much what John the Baptist was doing prior to Jesus's earthly ministry, prepare the way. Yeah, we, we can be fully employed right now. Yes. And, uh, I, uh, referencing the name of our podcast, the cosmic car wash, there yes. is no hard drive wipe. Right. And that twinkling of an eye, it, the hard drive does not get wiped. If that were the case, then the uh, rich man and the beggar Lazarus, um, would have remembered nothing. Right. And, uh, so, and, and that should be a very sobering, um, cautionary tale is the fact that there isn't, we will remember because if we didn't remember, we would have no point of reference. We would have right. no idea or um, appreciation for what is coming. So we will remember everything except we will live a life without the worry, the stress, the fear, the war, the prejudice, the sin, the temptation, the sickness and death. And this is yeah. where we will We'll, we will live and work and in Eden on this great yeah. earth, fully employed. And, um, it, it, and that's where that incredible appreciation. And that's where I, that's where I think where that worship, when you, when I talk about worship and the, and the kingdom and the tabernacle, and uh, even when it's revelations and other places says the Kings of the nations will bring their riches into his presence. Well, right yeah. there. If the word earth is destroyed and we go somewhere else, what does that right. mean? It's just this right. abstract, um, you know, literature. No, I think it is like you said, once this clicks, it is this golden thread that weaves every page from the Eden of Genesis to, um, the last page of revelations it yeah. is the story of God's redemption and his return to make all things new, including you and I and anybody who's listening right now. And that is the hope of glory. It's not to escape. It's not to leave. It's to become fully employed in Eden and the new heavens and the new earth. And that is exciting. And the great cloud of witness is not a billion miles away up somewhere beyond the stars. It is, it is at the, tip of our fingers. Jesus said right. the kingdom yep. of God is at hand. It and is right in front of us. Yeah. Exciting. And that is the audible. That's the click heard round the world. 
<laughs> yes, it is. And I, I feel like we're not doing this justice because there's so much to it. And maybe this is just a survey of, uh, you know, the five episodes of the podcast that John and his son Blaine did and the book that John Eldridge wrote called All Things New, which I highly, highly, highly recommend. Um, N.T. Wright's book, Surprised by Hope, yes. goes into this. Um, C.S. Lewis has an essay called The Weight of Glory, oh. uh, where he dives into this as well. Um, I have the book, and I haven't started reading it yet, but uh, Dallas Willard's uh, The Divine Conspiracy just goes into so much more depth on this. And I know there's others. Uh, yeah. The other day, you and I were talking about Randy Alcorn's book, Heaven, which I have read like just little quotes and snippets here and there. That's another one that I'm looking forward to diving into. Um, but yeah, it's like now that our eyes have been open to this, we're seeing that other people well before us got this and all the way back to it is in scripture. Like right. this is so scriptural. Yeah. It's beyond question. There is no death, destruction. The earth blows up. There's no zombie apocalypse. There's no, you know, None of that. That's not true. That is not in scripture. It's that's some kind of like quasi Hollywood religion thing yeah. to scare us into, you know, but the message, this is the gospel. The word gospel literally means good news. Good news. This is good yeah. news. And it's like, as soon as I heard this, it clicked. Like now I understand why the apostles years and decades after Jesus death, resurrection, and ascension kept going. Yeah. And all of them gave their lives for this message. Yes, yeah. Like if it was just a wait around until you die and hope that you made it into the pearly gates, that's mm. not something worth dying for. But this good news that God is coming back to dwell with his people, that's good news. That's something that you can hold on to, to, to think about the earth that I love. You know, one of the things that uh, just fascinates me is um, – in my time in the military, I had an opportunity to travel around Europe and Africa and Asia and saw some really beautiful places. I mean, just breathtaking scenery and landscapes and, you know, to to think that all that stuff gets wiped away, like God created that and it's good and it's beautiful, but he's going to do away with it. That doesn't make sense, but it makes sense that, well, sin and death corrupted stuff, you know, but that's that doesn't have the last word. God right. has the last word, the renewal. We call it the great renewal. And I'm kind of wondering where did we pick up the term, the great renewal? Cause I don't know. I think it was in the podcast, John Eldridge. Was it in the podcast? Maybe it, so. It Maybe talks so. about the great renewal. Yeah. But everything gets renewed and restored. And I think, Oh my God, if the world is this beautiful now, right. What's it going to be like when sin and death are gone oh. and there's no sickness, there's no, uh, depreciation. There's no decay. It's, it is Eden. Yeah. It is Eden again, the glory of God. The, uh, I think it's in the book of Habakkuk it says the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth. Like the waters cover the oh, sea. Gosh, like everywhere. That's exciting. So this earth that we know and love, you know, each of us have our places. Like I love the forest. It's just, that's where I, I, I used to kind of poo-poo people that said, oh, I find God in nature. But having spent some some time in nature, I get it. It's like a spiritual thing, right? you know. 
I, I don't advocate replacing that with you know, replacing church with, you know, time on the golf course, but <laughs> you don't, <laughs> the reason we connect with these places is because right. creation is along with the people who love Jesus groaning and for it, the revealing of the sons of God and the return go. of the creator. That's it. It's good news. Yeah. That is good news. And I think we can wrap it up with that good news. Yes. But all of this good news is enabled by one fundamental core truth that we always tell people. God is God not mad. is not mad at you. God is not mad. Right. It's done. It's over. Yeah, there is, is good news ahead for everybody. He poured out his God. wrath at the cross on himself. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's the so, best news we can hear. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you listen to this and you liked it, uh, smash that like button, leave a yes. comment. If you have any questions, please feel free to to ask, and we'll do our best to answer them. And if you're interested in the podcasts of uh, John Eldridge, uh, Our Ambivalence Toward the Return of Christ, some of the books that we reference, we would be happy to share those with you and how you can uh, where and how you can find them. And um, we will be back. Yes. And God is not mad at you. God is not mad. And this is good news. Amen. All right. Thank you, everybody. Look forward to talking to you again soon.